Welcome to the New Story Church podcast. The message you're about to enjoy was delivered live at New Story Church in downtown Los Angeles. For more information, check out newstorychurch.com or visit us on Sunday at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. We hope you'll enjoy this message. Yeah. Well, good morning, church. My name is Trisha, for those of you who don't know me, and I am the student ministries pastor here at New Story Church. And are you enjoying the student takeover? I love seeing our youth students serving the adults. It's been really fun to plan and to see it all come to play today. Well, I've transitioned into into this position a little less than three months ago, and they've already let me take over the adult service. So I must be doing something right or wrong, depending on how you think about it, right? One of our core values in student ministries is that church is fun. So today, we're going to start with a game. We're going to start with the guessing game, all right? Right here next to me is a jar of colorful Skittles, and I would like you to guess how many Skittles are in this jar. And I'm playing this game legitly, so we're going to use prices right rules. So you can get as close to the number as possible without going over. And of course, there is a prize, because it's not worth playing a game unless there's a prize, right? So go ahead. Tell your neighbor how many Skittles you think are in this jar, okay? Don't be too cool for school, okay? Participate. You have a good guess? All right. Are you ready? Tell your neighbor. Ready? Okay. There are 936 Skittles. Who got it? Don't be shy. Come on. Who got 936? Anywhere close to that? 860, anyone higher? 950, anyone? Oh, you went over, sorry, buddy. All right, 900, anyone else? All right. This is your prize, okay? In kids' ministry, this may as well be gold, okay? So go ahead, come on up. Give them a round of applause, guys. Thanks, Paul. All right. So why are there 936 Skittles in this jar? Well, each Skittle in this jar represents one week in the life of a child. There are 936 weeks in 18 years. Parents, that means you have approximately 936 weeks with your kids before you can technically get rid of them, right? (laughs) So I know some of you are looking at this jar and thinking, oh my goodness, that's forever, right? And then there are some of you who are looking at this jar and thinking, that's it? That's all the time I have? I thought I had more time. Well, regardless of which way you're thinking, the truth remains that you have 936 weeks to influence and raise your child. To give you a different perspective, right next to it is a jar of red Skittles. And this jar has 208 Skittles. If you have a freshman in high school, that is the number of weeks you have left before your child can legally make decisions on their own. Okay, 208. So, I have a question for you today. How do you make that count? How do you make each week with your child count? Because if there's any one truth we can all believe, it's that time is always ticking. Every Sunday is the start of another week, and that means one less Skittle. So how are you going to make the time with your kid count? Raising kids isn't easy. I actually have two little girls of my own, and sometimes just the fact that they have clothes on and that they're not starving is a mom win, okay? Right? Yeah, 
I was looking for some fun memes about parenting, and if you ever need a good chuckle, Google parenting memes, okay? These were a few of my favorites. Raising kids is a walk in the park, Jurassic Park. Here's another one. Raising kids is like riding a bike. That's on fire, and you're on fire, and everything is on fire. I came across this tweet, and I thought it was pretty apt for the times. It said, my eight-year-old has started talking back and then saying out loud, hashtag roasted and dabbing. <laughs> Not one of the parenting books prepared me for this. Just a few weeks ago, my girlfriend actually emailed me this quote, and I think it's made its round on social media channels, but I want to read it to you. It says, how to be a mom in 2019. Make sure your children's academic, emotional, psychological, mental, spiritual, physical, nutritional, and social needs are met while being careful not to overstimulate, underestimate, improperly medicate, helicopter, or neglect them in a screen-free, process-foods-free, plastic-free, body-positive, socially conscious, egalitarian, but also authoritative, nurturing, but fostering of independence, gentle, but not overly permissive, pesticide-free, two-story, multilingual home, preferably in a cul-de-sac with a backyard, and also, don't forget the coconut oil, okay? <laughs> don't forget the coconut oil. We laugh at this statement, but isn't there some truth to it? As parents, we have this enormous pressure to get parenting just right. We will move to the ends of the earth if we think that means our kids will go to a better school. We will pay that extra dollar per pound for organic produce, and we will sit in the hot, blazing sun on a Saturday morning to watch our kids play soccer, and they don't even keep score, right? <laughs> Why? Why do we put ourselves through the struggle, sometimes the pain? And the answer is obvious, right? We love our children, and we will do whatever we think is best for them. If we think it will give them a leg up, if it will help them succeed in life, we will do the hard work. We will endure the hardships for them, and we will do whatever it takes because we love them. But what if we were getting it all wrong? What if we're investing our time and our money our sanity, in all the wrong things. In fact, what if there was just one main thing we were responsible for when it came to our children? And if we got that one thing right, we'd be setting up our children for true success. Well, that's what we're going to figure out today. And I know everyone in here isn't a parent, and this may seem irrelevant to you, but there is always a truth in God's word that applies to everyone. So, would you all turn with me to Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 9? We are taking it back to the Old Testament, people. Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 9. It says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Church, this is the most important thing you need to do. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your might. In fact, it's so important, Jesus said this is the greatest commandment. This is the one thing we have to get right. If you're single, married, have kids, don't have kids, we are all commanded to love the Lord with all our heart, all our soul, and all our might. But it doesn't end there. 
It's so important that we need to teach our children to do the same thing. We have to make sure that we teach the next generation to love the Lord their God with all their heart, their soul, and their might. Non-parents, do you know who your children are? It's the children coming up after you. For our church family, every adult in here has the capacity to be a spiritual parent to every child that walks through our doors. We are there to support and help pass on faith to the next generation. They say it takes a village to raise a child, and it does. I can attest to that. And church, we are called to be that village. So back in Moses' time, they didn't have Bibles just laying around, right? They didn't have smartphones that enabled you to just take a video of everything that happened. If you wanted to record history, you had to tell it. It was a culture of oral tradition. Those that witnessed what happened had to pass on the stories to the next generation so that those lessons and truths learned from that event could continue to shape and influence generation after generation. So here are the Israelites. God delivered them from Egypt, from slavery. They saw God split the Red Sea and they physically walked through it. They saw God with their own two eyes send a pillar of fire to lead them through the wilderness. They experienced firsthand the faithfulness of God. They also experienced firsthand what happens, the consequences, when you don't obey God's word. This generation was not going to step one foot into the promised land. But all those encounters and all those lessons needed to be told to their children because they knew just how essential it was that their children know who God is. They needed to grasp how big God is, how faithful he is, how just he is, and the lengths to which he would go for those who followed him. By understanding who God is, their children would know who they should follow. And if they got that right, they could take on any challenge they would face in the promised land. So let me bring this back to present day. For all the jokes I say about how parenting is really hard, being a kid is no walk in the park either. Let's just take academics, for example. I looked up the rate of acceptance into UCLA, and I compared fall of 2000 to fall of 2018. In fall of 2000, there were 37,794 students who applied to UCLA, and 29% were admitted. In 2018, just last year, there were 113,761 applicants, and only 14% were accepted. And I know we're in Trojan territory, so I looked up USC's. <laughs> so last year, USC had the largest applicant pool in the history of their school. There were 64,000 students who applied, of which only 13% were accepted. What this means is that our students face a constant pressure to stand out. That's why they have tutors, SAT school. They do multiple club sports. They do extracurricular activities, and they can't just participate. They have to be an officer, a leader. Right? And if your child hasn't started their own nonprofit organization by age 16, I mean, really, is it even worth a try? Right? And that's just academically. Let's think socially. Navigating the social jungle that is high school is hard enough, but imagine doing it with the whole world watching. You can quantitatively measure how popular you are through social media. How many likes did my post get? How many comments did my post get? Who commented on my post? Let me scroll through all of the pictures from the party I wasn't invited to. 
Now more than ever, our kids are inundated with constant information and feedback. What tools are we giving them to navigate through all the noise? How are we teaching them to process what is true and what is not? This is why your child's faith is so important. They need to know who God is. When they understand how big God is, how faithful he is, how just and loving he is, they will come to a place where they will choose to follow him. And then and only then will they be equipped to navigate through this culture, to know what the truth is and why that's necessary, why it's relevant. You will have set them up to face whatever obstacle comes their way in this life. So how do we invest in our children's faith? How can we ensure that we are using these 936 weeks to make an everlasting impact on our kid? Well, it starts with you. You as a parent, you as a spiritual parent. You need to learn to love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, your soul, and your might. The best thing you can do for your child, for our students, is to invest in your own faith. The truth is, you can't give what you don't have. Did you get that? You cannot give what you do not have. When you take an airplane to fly somewhere, before takeoff, flight attendants come out and they give you emergency procedures. In the midst of that, in the midst of their spiel, they'll tell you in the case of oxygen levels declining, masks will fall from the ceiling. And they always say, if you're traveling with a child, put your mask on first, right? Then assist the child. Because if you assist the child first, and in the midst of that, you pass out because you didn't have enough oxygen, you have become useless to the child and to you. Same principle. We need to experience God's faithfulness firsthand in order to teach it to your kids. I want to make it perfectly clear, crystal clear here, that your faith isn't supposed to be perfect. Look at the Israelites. They got it wrong probably more times than they got it right, and yet they still experience God's grace and his goodness. Same truth applies to your relationship with God. If you seek him and follow Jesus, you will have your own Red Sea moments. You will see the pillar of fire leading you the way you need to go. You will also experience the valleys and the times you didn't take God at his word. But all of those encounters, all of that is what you will pass on to your children. Being in the relationship is what matters, not having the perfect relationship. We invest in our child's faith by first investing in our own faith and making it a priority in our life. Are you being intentional about growing your own faith? Let's do a quick self-check. When was the last time you read the Bible not on, at Sunday worship? When was the last time you earnestly prayed to God? If I were to ask your child today, what is the most important thing to mommy and daddy? What would their answer be? Children can be brutally honest, and they see more than we think. So, what does your child see? For all the spiritual parents out there, if I were to ask your closest friend, your closest family members, what would they say? What is the most important thing in this person's life? Are you making your faith a priority in your life? Parents, do the hard work of building up your faith. It is the best thing you can do for your kid. If you don't know where to start, that's where we come in. We here at New Story, we are here to help you, okay? 
We have something called the faith journey. This is our way of helping you grow and develop a relationship with God. And in chapter two, Live the Story, we equip you to bring God into your everyday routine. Sign up. Another thing you can do is join a, join a small group. Commit to a group of people who are going to walk with you as you grow in faith. I joined a small group this past year, and I love it. it. It's been so great, not just for my own faith, but also for my girls, because they see mom and dad talk about the Bible on a regular basis with other adults, and they see that mom and dad have made it a priority to carve out that time to do so. And best of all, they have built up their own community of faith with the other kids in that small group. Join a small group. It's an easy way to start. You know what the best thing about making your own faith a priority in your life is? You naturally become a better parent. Who doesn't want to be a better parent? As you earnestly seek to follow Jesus, as you gain a greater understanding of God's grace and love for you, your capacity for love and forgiveness towards your kids grows. You're, you have more patience, and you are intentional about spending time with your child. It is a win-win, and you didn't even have to do anything extra, right? It's efficient. Love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, and all your might. Parents, it starts with you, and then you have to pass it on. No one can pass on your faith for you. If we go back to our passage, Deuteronomy 6-7, it says this. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. Notice that it says you. You shall teach them diligently. Let me bring your attention to this jar right here. There are 40 ring pops in this jar and each, each ring pop represents one hour. In one year, an entire year, on average, your child will spend 40 hours in Sunday school. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, oh, there's 52 weeks in the year. Like, why'd you only put 40 in there? Well, kids get sick. Families go on vacation. There are sports games, dance competitions. You know, life happens. On average, they say, a child will spend 40 hours at church in one year. No matter how awesome New Story makes their Sunday school, and it will be awesome, it's only one hour a week. What about the other 167 hours in the week? Parents, you will spend more time with your child in one week than the church will in one year. Take ownership of your child's faith and be diligent about passing on your faith. The Bible is very practical when it comes to how you can do this. Verse 7 continues with, You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. In some... You're supposed to bring God into your everyday moments. When you gather to sit down for dinner, have a conversation about faith. When you're driving in the car with your kids, turn off the music, ask them how their day was. Is there anything I can pray for you? Your child is literally strapped in place. They can't run away. The probability of them engaging is fairly high in there, okay? If you have a young toddler, play praise music. We all know little kids love to sing. Well, have them sing about God. If you have an older child, go through a teen devotional together. Do it separately in the morning, and then come together in the evening and discuss it. It doesn't have to be long. Five minutes, ten minutes. Just do it. When you first start doing it, it's going to feel awkward, right? Anytime you start something new, it's super awkward. But do the hard work. Make it a habit to make it natural. 
because you need to bring God into your everyday moments. If you don't know how to start the conversation, I know that all of our student ministries either emails or sends home what they learned at sun on Sunday. Start there. Use those discussion points. Use those questions. It's an easy way to get the conversation going and just see where it leads. You know, the best way to pass on your faith to your children is to model it for them. Show them what it looks like to make everyday decisions based on your faith. I mentioned earlier that kids see more than we think. Is the way that you live your life reflective of your faith? Something as simple as being on time to church can communicate what is a priority in your life. My daughter just started kindergarten, and people have been asking me, oh, how's she doing with the transition? Is she liking her new school? And my daughter loves school. She loves kindergarten. But her mom, not so much. You know, Mondays used to be my day off, because when you work at church, Monday is your Sabbath, right? And I used to really look forward to Mondays. And now I dread them. I dread them because when your kid is in preschool, no one cares if you're late. No one is like watching you, right? And you can move your family and yourself according to your timetable. Well, apparently in kindergarten, everybody cares if your child is late. And now I'm having to move everything according to her timetable. And I kid you not, there are people in this congregation that have witnessed this. I, every morning, I'm literally running, running to my car, run, run, right? We are running to get to school on time. Pray for me, people. <laughs> as silly as that sounds, let's take that scenario and move it to church. Am I running towards those church doors because she is going to be late for Sunday worship? But what does that communicate to my daughter? We have to be on time for school, but we don't have to be on time for church. Translation, what we learn at school is more important than what we learn at church. Spiritual parents, those of you who are already currently serving, I love you. How do you spend the little time you have with your students each Sunday? Can your students see that you have taken the time to prepare for your small group? Are you steering your discussion towards matters of faith, or are you just shooting the breeze? How we choose to spend our time models to our children and our students what is important. The truth is, good parenting doesn't just happen. No one said, oh, my kids just happen to turn out great. No, good parenting is intentional. So be intentional about modeling your faith and passing it on. All my non-parents, all my non-parents in the room, do you know what every parent desires for their kids? Another adult who will come alongside their child and reinforce what they're teaching at home. Because we all know that when kids hit a certain age, nothing their parents say is cool or right. This is where you step in. Spiritual parents can reinforce and complement what parents are teaching about faith at home. You can make faith cool and relevant to a student. Another reality is that some of the kids who walk in our doors won't have parents who follow Christ. This one hour we have with them may be the only time they hear about Jesus that week, maybe ever. Our responsibility as the adult congregation of this church is to pass on our faith 
to the next generation. If we don't get this one hour right, we will have missed the opportunity to possibly change the trajectory of a child's life. That one hour. Currently, on average, we have about 250 children that come to New Story every Sunday. That's 250 little ones that we can hug and make sure they know the love of Jesus. Last week, we had 65 three to five-year-olds, preschoolers and kindergartners, come to church. Have you ever seen those first five public service announcements? How the life, how the first five years of a child's life, is an important developmental stage that contributes to their overall health and well-being. That applies to their spiritual life. New Story Kids Junior is not a babysitting ministry. We are laying the foundation for a healthy relationship between your child and God. Currently, we only have about one third of the volunteers we need to love on our preschoolers and kindergartners. One third. For kids ministry, do you want to know the ratio of boy to girl in grades first through fifth? We have one girl for every two boys in kids ministry. Last week, we had 90 first through fifth graders come to church. 90. Do the math. So there were 60 boys who came to kids ministry. I have two male volunteers in kids ministry. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that women cannot teach boys. That is definitely not what I'm saying. On the contrary, my lady volunteers—they are holding it down. Right? They're doing a fantastic job teaching boys and girls. But did you know the number one indicator of a child's success is to have another adult of the same gender influencing their life? I recently heard a story about a boy in one of our ministries.、It、comes from a single-parent home. He started to call his teacher dad. This volunteer. Was a consistent and positive presence in this child's life, so much so that he started to call him dad. We never know how God can use us, what role He is asking us to fill, until we are willing to do the hard work for the next generation. In youth, I know that there is one small group of ninth and tenth grade girls and. On any given Sunday, this small group leader will have 12 to 14 girls in her small group. In the one hour your child will spend in worship, 30 to 40 minutes of that is large group. It's when they're doing their worship. What kind of relationship are we expecting that small group leader to build when she has less than half an hour to connect with 14 girls? Different perspective. What kind of an impact? Would she have? What kind of capacity would she have to build a relationship with her students if she only had four or five girls? Church, we need you. We need more student ministry volunteers. We are growing as a church, and the kids are coming. The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. We are commanded to teach these children to love the Lord with all their heart. All their soul and might, and how is our generation going to pass on our faith to those coming up behind us? Who is going to invest in these students? If not us, then who? Without them, our church has no future. If we don't pass on our faith to our students, there won't be anyone to carry on our mission to reach one percent of LA for the glory of God. Do you know what the population of LA County is? 18 years and younger. 23% of LA County's population is 18 years old and younger. 
one out of every five people in LA is a kid. If we don't, if we don't reach our children with the gospel of Christ, we will have missed our mission. When you walked in today, you should have received a card that says, make it count. I'm sure you've all looked at it and were surprised to find out that we've changed our service times and added a third service. Beginning October 6th, our new service times will be 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and 12.30 p.m. We have been blessed with a growing church, and to make room for all the people we are reaching, we needed to add a third service. And on your card on the back, you will notice it says, attend one, serve one. This is a principle of New Story Church. If you call New Story home, we want to highly encourage you to attend one service and serve at another. I would like to highly encourage you to serve in student ministries. I already laid out to you that we are already lacking volunteers in two services, and now we have three. Some of you aren't wired to lead children in a small group. I get it. But that doesn't mean you can't volunteer in student ministries. There are a variety of ways you can help us. You can play the guitar, you can do data entry, you can do graphics and video. There are so many out-of-the-box thinking ways that you can serve our students and invest in the generation that's coming up behind you. To those that think you are too old to serve in student ministries, you want to know the secret to staying young? <laughs> Be around young people. Hang out with a teenager. You would be surprised at just how much you could learn from a teen. And more than that, you will be surprised at how much you have to give to a teen. Take a moment to think about serving in our student ministries. Remember the faces that served you today. The faces you will see while they're running around through our lobby. We have a responsibility to them to make sure they grow up knowing they have a loving father who is for them and is worth following. If you're ready to take on that challenge, please fill out this card. Tear off this bottom piece so you can keep it as a reminder of our new service times. And then turn in the top half when we send our offering popcorn buckets around. Today, after service, all of our student ministry pastors, they will be out there and they are more than happy to answer any questions you have about what your child is learning in Sunday worship and any way that you want to get involved. We also created a parent resource table. On that table, we have these It's a Phase pamphlets. This one is for a two-year-old. The phase when nobody's on time, everything's a mess, and one eager toddler will insist, I can do it. This one's for 10th grade. The phase when everybody else can, nobody else has to, and your resolute teen will push you to answer, why not? There is one for every year, of your child's life from 1 to 18. And inside, I like it because it gives you emotional, physical, mental milestones that your child is facing currently. And inside, there are tips on how you can start your spiritual conversations. Okay, I know the temptation is to take one for every year, okay? Don't, don't do that. Just take the one that applies to your child this year, and I will point you to where you can get the rest, okay? But this is available at the resource table. There are other books there are other books and other resources that are there, and we want to encourage you to check them out because our goal as student ministry is to come alongside you, to support you as you take and do the hard work of passing on your faith to your child. <clears throat> Parents, 
I was terrified to come up here and teach. Stand in front of hundreds of people and give parenting advice. No thanks. No one wants to hear parenting advice. But the best thing I can do for your child as their pastor is to encourage you, inspire you, plead with you to grow your own faith because it is the best thing for your kid. This is my personal conviction and the reason why I took on this role. I want each child that comes through our door to know who they belong to, whose they are, that they have a God who is for them and created them with a purpose, that they are so loved, they don't need to seek worldly things for validation or self-worth, that they truly have the power to change the world because they have a God behind them who created it. Parents, do not waste these 936 weeks on things that will come and go. Make them count. Make them count for something that is everlasting. Make them count for something that is worth passing on. Spiritual parents, adults of New Story, the best thing I can do as your student ministry's pastor is to get you to make your faith a priority in your life and then encourage, inspire, and convict you to serve our children. Because as you serve our kids, they will learn from you the lesson that God loves them. And in doing so, you will be learning the same lesson. You will be blessed. I guarantee it. There are so many ways you can help so many children to invest in. Invest your time in the generation coming up behind you. Because our children are worth it. Because our message is worth it. Parents, you have 936 weeks with your kids. How will you make it count? Church, we have 40 hours with our kids this year. How are you going to make it count? Would you join me in prayer? Lord, thank you for the gift of children. They bring joy and laughter into our lives. And sure, they can drive us crazy sometimes, but often it is through them that I experience the fullness of your love. Being the adult is hard. We feel inadequate to fulfill the role you have charged us with. But would you remind us that you stand in the gap when we fall short? I pray for those who feel they don't have enough time left. May you help them make the most of their days and remind them that you are bigger than time and will honor their efforts. I pray for those of us who feel like our faith isn't good enough. Remind us that you are good enough, that being in the relationship is what matters, not having the perfect relationship. And I lift up every single person in this place that they would be encouraged to truly love the Lord with all their heart, all their soul, and all their might. God, we need faithful people to serve in our student ministries. Would you stir the hearts of those you have already called to step up and pass on the message of your love to the next generation? Give them the boldness and the conviction to put in the effort to love our kids. Thank you for your faithful servants who have already been diligently teaching our kids in our various ministries. They have been such a source of encouragement to me. Would you continue to bless them as they have done their part in ensuring our kids grow up knowing they belong to a God who loves them and is for them? We lift up all these things to you. In your name we pray. Amen. 
Thanks for listening. If you were inspired by this message, we hope you'll share it with a friend and subscribe to our podcast. Or best of all, come visit us at church. For directions, service times, and more info, check out newstorychurch.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you soon.